Let me now copy this link over to a different browser. <laughs> Love it. And then go and sign in. And then I can repost. Is that the proper terminology? Can I bring retoot back? Unboost. Oh, boost. I don't boost. like boost. No, me neither. Well, it's been boosted. Can we call it booted? Or is sure. that a bad thing? <laughs> boot. I booted it onto my feed. Um, I always hated the term feed, too. Like, in yeah. the context of Facebook, it really does sound like animal feed. Like, here's your yeah. feed for the day. <laughs> and, like, it just does not jive with me. Uh, same with, like, followers. And, fo like, is this a cult? Like, why do we have followers? Yeah. Um, anyways. Fair, very fair. It's a... Is this a cult? <laughs> do we have our title already? <laughs> Maybe. It's a... Guess we have a pre-show for once. Hello and welcome once again to episode 117 of Code Completion. We're a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. So, uh, as we alluded to in our very, very short pre-show, uh, Twitter is a hot pile of garbage um, and... It uh, it is ostensibly decided or mistakenly decided uh, that third party apps are no good, um, and that is because third party apps don't work. Um, everyone assumed, hey, this is just new Twitter being new Twitter uh, for the first day, but then as soon as the first day kind of came and gone, uh, that quickly became a, a different a different uh, opinion, uh, and that formed into, hey, Twitter is. Uh, probably not putting an effort to keep third-party apps going, um, and therefore that's why they all stopped working. Because I think it was as soon as, like, four days ago, right, that it just did not work? Yeah, I haven't been on Twitter a ton, but I did notice a, a few tweets about it a couple, at least two or three days ago. Um, there, we're, We've kind of got a, a Michael Sai uh, blog post that kind of has this huge collection of um, tweets and comments from different people. And one of them that I thought was interesting was uh, that I didn't really realize in this whole like Twitter firing spree that, that Elon Musk went on is um, from the icon factory. It says there's been no official word from Twitter about what's going on, but that's unsurprising since the new owner eliminated employees dedicated to keeping the API up and running smoothly uh, including the developer evangelists who previously provided communication with the third parties, uh, meaning like tweet, uh, Twitter, effect, tweet pod, Twitter, all, effect, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So um, they don't know. They, the next kind of line from the Icon Factory says, we wouldn't know whom to reach out to at Twitter, Twitter even if such people existed. Uh, we're in the dark just as much as you are, sadly. So like, no one knows what's going on. Uh, I'm going to be interested to see when and if Twitter kind of makes an official statement on this and be like, oh, yeah, it was a mistake. <laughs> or uh, they're just like, yeah, we're, we're actually just shutting everything down. You have to use the, the Twitter app or whatever, which would be unfortunate. So Especially unfortunate because they also just like re-enabled the algorithmic poop line 
um, as the default oh, did they? Uh, oh. way of like consuming tweets, uh, which is uninteresting to me, to say the yeah. least. Uh, so uh, I have had a nice Twitter vacation for the past week <laughs> as a result yeah. of this. Uh, but my habits die hard because I keep reopening TweetBot uh, to see the same screen that says, uh, you need new authentication tokens. Uh, yep. And then when you tap on that, uh, they so go into a very helpful spiel about, uh, hey, we have a new app called Ivory coming out, uh, and you should go check it out. Um, <laughs> because uh, kudos to them, they absolutely deserve to to continue go- staying in business. Because the reason mm-hmm. why I use Twitter is because of TweetBot uh, and Twitterific before that. And all the, all the third-party apps that kind of have a better opinion of what I want Twitter to be than Twitter does. Um, so... Uh, that said, uh, I need a better opinion of what Mastodon needs to be because I freaking hate uh, jumping between two browsers to like sign into two accounts, and it's it's uh, it's it's getting to me just as quickly as Twitter is. Um, so I've yet to really use Mastodon because of that, um, and I am waiting patiently for Ivory to to come out, um, and that's good news because it seems like they are fast tracking Ivory to just be the bare minimum of uh, minimal viable products. Uh, just so that way people can start using it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been very hard to get a spot in their test flight because they just go out in a matter of seconds. So looking forward to yeah. that. Yeah, definitely unfortunate. Um, on the note of like having multiple accounts and everything on Mastodon, I just checked. I've been using the test flight version of, I forget what it's called, Mammoth mm-hmm. by Shehub. It's really good, and he's, like, very actively working on it. I think I'll probably get, like, three automatic updates from it, like, a week or so. Like, it's, he's, I've been using that in the meantime until Ivory comes out, and I can see which one I like better, but that does allow, like, multiple accounts and stuff, so you might check that out. Um, I don't know. It's, I think it's only iOS. Oh, no, actually, he does have a a Mac app, and it's, it's kind of cool. It's got, like, um multiple kind of ios kind of width tabs that you can have like multiple things on and stuff so um that's what i've been using and it's been pretty good but yeah this whole thing with twitter is just like it's crazy how um how much they're like kind of kneecapping everyone else like they're not building good faith with anyone right now and it's uh i don't know i uh, like i said i've been off twitter for a while i haven't noticed if Elon's said much about this or really anything about like the direction of Twitter or anything, but like this, and like you mentioned the algorithmic timeline being kind of the default, like seems like he's trying to steer it in a way that a lot of people uh, do not like. So, um, and I, I almost don't care anymore. Right. Yeah. It's, no, it's, it's like gone to the point where like, whatever, just do what you want to do. It's I'm, I'm off. I'm not yeah. using anymore. I don't bother checking. Um, yeah. I don't bother posting. Um, and it's, it's kind of the end of an era, at least, at least for me. Um, yeah. and it, this could have been a hundred percent unintentional. It's just like, oh, we accidentally fired everyone who maintains the public API. The public API finally wrote too many logs to the machines that they're on and therefore the service shut down. Yeah. Like it could be something so stupid, uh, like that, but I don't care anymore. It, it may as well be intentional because, uh, one, the people who rely on that API being available, uh, which it used to be uh, myself, but also like the app developers that make these third-party apps, they they are forced to move on at this point because they can't just 
twiddle their thumbs and wait for things to get better because like people are jumping ship at the moment so there's gonna be nothing left uh by the time it does get fixed um so that's that's one thing uh to definitely keep in mind uh that whatever the intent is here whether it was intentionally because oh uh these third-party apps are not seeing ads and therefore we're not nickel and diming them enough Mm -hmm. like that's can be one way of like seeing this or two uh it's just like they didn't want to pay for an engineer to go ahead and maintain this like either way you look at it uh it seems like it's foolish uh a foolish decision because at least outside of twitter like i have a super negative opinion of elon musk um and i was previously on the fence of like hey i would one day want to get solar for my house that would be probably a sixty thousand dollar purchase um which i'm not doing anymore not with tesla and i really don't know what i'm going to do because it seems like the hodgepodge of solar companies doesn't seem very enticing to me so anyone wanting to reinvent solar like go for it um and two hey i was potentially looking forward to one day owning uh tesla model x uh to like be the family car uh and i have no no inclination to give that man any more money uh at this point in time so um yeah it's it seems like a very foolish set of decisions made by a person who doesn't seem to realize what the consequences are and that's that yeah he's definitely i think just like you fostering a lot of bad will Sorry, you're not fostering bad will. <laughs> I'm fostering a lot of bad will towards him, no. so don't don't worry. It's it's a uh... he's fostering a lot of bad will with a lot of people, like myself included. Like it's it's spilling over into his other things, which are cool. Like Tesla's great. I built my house with the Express, like um, in my garage. I I specifically put a 220 volt uh, outlet in there, so. I could have a charger for my assuming Tesla electric car. Uh, I don't have one, but uh, eventually. Um, now I'm like, I don't know if I want to buy one. Uh, and it sucks. Like, yeah, dumping into solar and stuff. It just is is kind of like polluting and corrupting his image of all of his companies because it's like this whole thing is just like a cluster. So, yeah. At this point, the only thing I'll save bummer. it is if he steps away from Tesla. Uh, and solar and then maybe i'll consider it Mm -hmm. again um but i don't think he's gonna do that um like it's it's a real shame that he has poisoned his own well so much uh that it just makes it not a desirable product to own yeah right at the end of the day but do you know what is a desirable product to own mini led or no not mini micro uh, now you might be wondering what's what's the difference between mini LEDs and micro LEDs? Are they're small? Uh, well, the difference is that we use mini LED for very different like technology, uh, and that is the backlight of a display, and that's right. it. Uh, whereas micro LED is using LEDs for the whole thing, uh, all the individual little pixels. Uh, and you might be wondering, well, isn't that what O LED is? Like we have lots of LEDs. Like what's the difference sure. here? Um, well, uh, OLED are made of organic compounds and organic compounds, uh, if you, uh, don't know what that means, that basically means, uh, things you'll find in the organic aisle of your grocery 
uh, store. Um, and by that, I mean uh, not at all that, uh, because that's a completely bloated and <laughs> meaningless word. Uh, but let's let's go away from that side of things. Uh, in this case, organic means carbon and hydrogen uh, elements being included within uh, within the molecular compounds that make up uh, the actual like LEDs themselves. Uh, and organic compounds, uh, they have this trait that they don't last super long, uh, the more they're energized and they kind of break down over time. Uh, and that's what causes things like burn-in, uh, which are not great. Um, it also means that, uh, they're not like the perfect light emissive, uh, technology. Uh, they get hot, uh, they don't necessarily, um, they don't necessarily, have like instantaneous reaction times uh between like turning off and on um and you oftentimes have to keep them somewhat on to like have a fast reaction so that's why uh blacks with oleds tends to be a little wonky i don't know if you've ever noticed a pure black screen and scrolling up and down you'll see like smears of like oh. black areas and icons it's kind of interesting to see hmm. um so yeah there's some inherent problems with oled um but uh, micro LED fixes all of that by being way more expensive uh, and <laughs> not being mass manufacturable, uh, but using inorganic compounds. So, uh, why is this? Why is this the case? Well, uh, micro LEDs—they are little LED components, like the same kind of components that you might think of, like the old style LEDs where you had that little bulb and then yep. the two little sticks coming out. Uh, think that just shrunk down to the size of a chip. Uh, where you have like a positive and negative and then the light emitting part. That's what a micro LED is. The only difference is you can fit like 10 to uh, 5 to 10 of these in the width of a human hair. They are very, very tiny. Um, and that's Dang. that's an individual component. Uh, and that's a crucial thing because uh, OLEDs are printed. Like you don't need to make individual components. You just make a sheet of OLED. Um, and that's a very easy to manufacture thing. This is a component that has to be picked and placed, uh, which means that when you have things that are like a tenth of the size of human hair, uh, picking and placing is a lot more difficult. Uh, And then you have to test each individual pixel and then see which ones are faulty and then laser zap them off the board uh, and then put a new one onto them. So it's like a huge process to get uh, these panels made. Um, It can take several hours uh, to like do the whole testing process for a single panel, um, and therefore super super expensive. Um, Samsung showed some of these uh, micro LED panels that could be useful for like large TVs as like individual segments, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a lot easier to make a segment without flaws uh, than it is to make a whole panel without flaws. So that's the route they were going, and then you just combine these segments into whatever shape that you're interested in. Uh, at the end of the day, um, still like out of out of reach for most uh, things. So um, that's that's why uh, that that's why micro LEDs are kind of hard to make and why we don't have them yet. However, they would be ideal to have. Uh, they don't have burn in at all. Like they don't j- deteriorate with use. Um, so that's like an instant benefit. Uh, they don't have the same. Uh, heat reactivity problems as LCDs do. So as it gets hot, LCDs twist and turn in a different way based on the voltage. Um, and that means that color is going to be different on a hot day versus a cool day. Uh, and that's a nightmare for color reproduction. 
Um, micro LEDs have perfect blacks, obviously, because they can just turn off. But right. they can also turn to near perfect black at an instant in under two nanoseconds, uh, which is like way faster than Whoa. almost anything. Uh, which means that you can save power because you can just blip at full brightness for a fraction of a nanosecond if you want. Um, and that would be perceived to your eyes as a certain intensity for the duration that it's on within that full, full like frame of That's visual, crazy. of uh, visual persistence. So, uh, yeah, there's opportunities to save power. There's opportunities to make the whole thing thinner, uh, closer to the glass. Uh, doesn't have that pressure thing that you can sometimes see on iPads, or if you press too hard, you get a, a wave of LCD ripple. Um, right. Like none of that. Uh, so it is the ideal like uh, display technology. We just don't have it yet because it's super expensive, and you have to like put these little tiny things, physically place them, millions upon millions of them for one display. Um, obviously, a little hard at the moment. Um, so. Uh, that said, we might you might be wondering why on earth are we talking about micro LEDs all of a sudden? Well, uh, Apple is apparently going to bring them to uh, the Apple Watch in like a year, um, and they've been working on this since like 2014, I think, since they bought uh, that company that does uh, micro LEDs. Um, and yeah, it seems like they're very interested in starting to swap out their display like technologies um and display ownership probably because it's not gonna be lg display making them it's not gonna be samsung making them it's gonna be apple making them uh that said one of the rumors was like lg display is going to be making apple's uh uh micro led backplanes but what that means is basically the circuit board where you place the micro led so it might still be apple actually producing and placing uh Mm. these chips so uh there's all sorts of ways they might like make up to do this in an efficient uh, way that's not going to be like super card and uh, complicated uh, and most importantly affordable. Uh, so uh, we'll see where they take it. Yeah. It, it, I have to apologize. I like have almost nothing to contribute to this because when Dimitri sent me the links over this morning, I was like getting out of bed and I read this and I was like, this is such a nothing burger. They have mini LED in... <laughs> in pro display VRs, why are they like why is this a big thing i'd rather have oled than mini led and i completely glossed over the fact that it's micro led and not mini, mini LED. and then micro <laughs> yeah so i was like i don't want mini led in my phone i like my oled uh this now with that explanation makes a lot more sense as to um <laughs> why this is exciting but yeah i mean it's basically like a more durable oled and you can probably actually get brighter with this, yep. I assume, as well. Way brighter, uh, way less heat. Um, actually, there's another problem. Uh, as these, Because these are now chips on a board, um, yeah. uh, and we can link to a very fascinating video on this whole topic. Uh, but because these are chips on a board, because they can heat up drastically to a different temperature than the board itself, oh. they will change shape in a yeah. different way than the board. Um, and that means they can just break themselves off of the board. Um, you might be wondering why I mentioned that uh, there's a fascinating video on this. Well, uh, do you all remember the PS3, uh, what was it, Yellow Light of Doom, um, that know, used to yeah. happen to those uh, to those consoles? Well, uh, the GPUs basically heated themselves up to a point where the chiplets that were in the GPU uh, desoldered themselves because they were a different temperature than the base 
that they were soldered to. Uh, so it is like a whole mechanical engineering uh, nightmare uh, to deal with these. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely fascinating. Yeah, very cool. Honestly, I didn't even know that micro LED was a thing until 10 minutes ago. So uh, that was that was welcome cool. to the future. Yeah, um, that is the future. I thought, yeah. No, that's, so that's super exciting. Samsung actually has micro LED uh, TVs that they showed off at CES uh, that you can purchase today. Uh, actually, the ones at CES you can't purchase, but the ones from last year you totally can. They just cost a hundred grand, so yeah. not not a yeah. big deal. Um, uh, but yeah, that's that's definitely a thing that's that's been being worked on for a very long time. Uh, way better than OLED, and probably why. I am like still waiting for the this technology to get cheap enough into like a regular form factor um, yeah. because I don't I don't want OLED because I hate brand yeah, I know. like with I a know. passion um, it's it sucks so yeah cool very cool and other news of things to get excited about uh, as we record this on Monday January sixteenth uh, there are rumors that Apple's gonna make a mystery announcement tomorrow yeah. Um, seems to be the uh, what people are spe- well okay let me back up a couple people have teased just to say like keep an eye on Apple's newsroom tomorrow like it's not going to be like an event or anything uh, but it would just be sort of like a release like they did with um, I want to say it was the M2 iPad where it was just like kind of refreshed without much fanfare there wasn't a whole thing about it um, seems like they're going to go that way at least that's what the rumors speculate with the 14 and 16 inch uh, MacBook Pros, so uh, basically replacing, or I guess updating them with the M2 version of the Pro and Max series uh, chips. So that'll be cool. We um, have talked, I think, a couple times uh, on the podcast, maybe a month or so ago, about um, leak benchmarks, uh, Geekbench scores and stuff. So we know that they're essentially done in some capacity, whether they're sort of manufacturing at a large scale. I don't know. Um, but if they make the announcement now and then say, hey, it's out in three months or something or a month or whatever, seems completely plausible to me. So that's pretty cool. Yep. Uh, that said, I'm not sure it's going to be the laptops, right? Because they also have, like, in the same day, separate rumors that say that the laptops are going to be delayed until later on in the year, um, which... Uh, always makes these kinds of rumors fun because you never know what's going to be announced. Um, there is word that it might just be the Mac Mini who didn't see oh. anything since since the first uh, transition dates, right? Yeah. Um, that it was the Mac Mini along with the MacBook Airs that were announced um, as being immediately available, um, and then that's kind of all we heard. The MacBook Air got an M2 revision, the Mac Mini did not. Maybe that's what we're going to see, and that that deserves a low fanfare kind of um yeah just a, a a newsroom article about it saying like hey we we spec bumps the mac minis they look the same the ports are a little different uh but most people don't care some people really really care uh, and they'll be happy about that but we don't really need a full event for it yeah yeah <laughs> it'd be a very padded out event if it was like an hour of of I don't know, game demos or something on a Mac Mini. And <laughs> it's just like, it's an M2, congrats, yeah! Something like that, so. Yeah, yeah, that'll be good. Either way, I mean, it's fun to see um, 
the second generation of Apple, Apple Silicon kind of proliferating, I suppose. I mean, we have the M2, but like that's it right now. So, um, like we mentioned, I don't know if what I guess timeline Apple is going to be really going on. Like, if it is going to be more like an eighteen month to twenty four month cycle rather than like a hard yearly refresh like they do for iPhones or anything. But um, at the very least, like. I think the M2 Mac Mini would make a ton of sense, if not also uh, maybe announcing those those new MacBook Pros. I don't know. But it'll be good. Yeah. Um, I think Apple's kind of stuck on the yearly refresh cycle for iPhones um, sure. as much yeah. as they either like it or hate it. Uh, because if they don't suddenly release a new iPhone that year, then everyone's going to be like wondering. Um, and if they do... Uh, then they are kind of still stuck to that one year cycle. Like they can, the only way out of it is probably if they themselves announce like, Hey, uh, and we're moving the iPhone to a new 18 month, uh, to 24 month process. Mm -hmm. Um, and that would be the only way that they can like set expectations without people absolutely freaking out that a new iPhone didn't suddenly come out. Um, and yeah, they're kind of stuck in a hard situation, I would say. Seems a lot more lenient on the Mac side, though. I don't think people mm-hmm. nearly, uh, nearly as many people update their their Macs every single year. Yeah, um, and people kind of expect the laptops to not get a spec bump for two years. Um, although spec bumps in between would definitely be welcome. Like, hey, the we dropped the one terabyte configuration; it's now two to eight. Um, sure. That would be great uh, if they did periodically. Um, and then if you had a Mac Pro, then you don't really expect a spec bump until five years go by. So, uh, that's just the way it is. Um, five years plus. That said, how funny would it be if Apple used this announcement as a way to, uh, instead of, uh, showcase a product that, uh, not too many use, showcase a product that they don't want to bring too much attention to, uh, like the fact that they might be bringing back the wonderful HomePod. Yeah, that'd be nice. I yeah, I don't know if um, many people care about that. Like honestly, I don't know how well the HomePod was received, kind of to the masses. The original one, right? I think mm-hmm. the HomePod Mini is a lot more palatable at a hundred dollars. Like my parents have one and stuff. I have one, um, but I love my original HomePod. It sounds so good. Um, I just play it when I'm working and stuff, and it's it's great. But yeah, I can see that being a product like. Hey, we brought the HomePod back. Like they, pro- I don't remember them really making a huge deal out of discontinuing it in the first place, uh, and they kind of quietly replaced it with the HomePod Mini. So I don't know if it would make sense to be like, "The HomePod's back, baby." Some people would be like, "It left." Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, um, I think it's it's great. It would be great if it did come back. Uh, I think uh, a press release like this would be the perfect way to bring it back. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, without too much fanfare, without uh, anyone really uh, noticing. Um, because I don't think they want to draw attention to the fact that it's going to be an expensive speaker uh, that they're putting all their bets in uh, anymore. I think they just want it to be a product that exists um, for the people that want it, uh, but not to necessarily make it into as big a deal as they initially made it into. Yeah, yeah, they kind of marketed it hard for a while there. Mm-hmm. Which is which I guess you have to, right? Otherwise, yeah. no one knows it exists. It's like this weird, this weird middle ground that you need to find. Yeah, it sucks now because like 
Google has, you know, I mean, a lot of people have kind of copied the whole smart, pretty good speaker type of thing, more than like an Echo or whatever. But like mm -hmm. Google had that like big chunk in one and stuff. So they kind of got, I think, outrun in that race, maybe, which is unfortunate. But like we talked about, I think it was last episode, you know, potentially making them into like dual purpose things like with a router or, or like a time machine or something. I think that would be so cool to dual purpose it and make it um, more useful, even when it's not being a speaker or uh, an assistant for the lady in the box. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Talking about assistants, it seems like Amazon has kind of gutted its internal Alexa team. I don't know if you've oh, read anything along I those know, lines. I didn't. I saw that um, they cut like, 17,000 jobs or something. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It, it seems like it's been a, a loss leader for a long time and now it's just a loss loss, uh, for them. So, uh, it, yeah, I don't, I, I guess kind of like, uh, what Elon should do is step away from his companies. I think Jeff Bezos stepping away from Amazon has, uh, probably, uh, changed it in a way that's going to be more, hopefully better over time and less kind of taking advantage of people um yeah. in the long run uh just in the name of profits uh like he's accomplished that goal uh now go retire and let uh the company be run sustainably um yeah. is go, probably the next step um, go deconstruct bridges or whatever you need to do to get your boat through the water yeah um why can't rich people do nice things like that's that's my problem. Do they just hate humanity so much? I know. Like that They're is just, just not a thing. The privilege is ridiculous, dude. Like, I, I there's at least one example of a rich person doing a nice thing, right? Was it Mark Cuban or something that like launched that pharmacy that sells drugs oh, at cost? Yeah, yeah. Like that's, that's an sweet. excellent example of a nice thing. Like you, the, you have infinite money. Just use it for something good. Uh, don't say I'm going to give it away by the time I die. It's like, I don't care about that. I care about yeah. like what you're doing right now. It's like give yeah. bonuses to all your underpaid workers. Like you could do infinitely many things to make you seem like a good person. Um, yeah. but you don't, and it doesn't make sense to me because you will rather hoard the money, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, dude. I don't um, feel you. <clears throat> So, yeah, uh, in any case, uh, I guess looking forward to a rich company announcing something to, uh, tomorrow uh, is next on our list of things to soon be jaded about. Uh, yeah. But uh, at the same time, there's a little bit of excitement because you don't know what's going to be announced. And it's it's fun that way, right? Yeah. This week's episode of Code Completion is brought to you by Sticky Widgets. Sticky Widgets is the absolute easiest way to put a sticky note on your home screen and edit it quickly. It's so easy, you never need to open the app itself. Add a sticky widget to your home screen through the iOS home screen editor and tap on it to edit. That's about it. Of course, there's tons of customization options as well. Font, color, text size, alignment, all conveniently located in the system's edit widget interface. Add as many sticky widgets as you like or put them all in a smart stack. Sticky widgets are a digital sticky note for your phone. Use them however you'd like. Sticky widgets is a free download on the App Store and additional font and color options are available for a one-time in-app purchase. Thank you so much to Sticky Widgets for sponsoring Code Completion. Check out Sticky Widgets on the iOS App Store today. So, Spencer, I've got a Code Completion tip for you. Uh, right. And this has to do with uh, GitHub. Uh, because GitHub has a very nifty feature, especially if you happen to use uh, the GitHub issues uh, ticket 
tracking system that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, though I think like most other uh, ticket tracking systems can also integrate in a similar way. It just takes a lot of effort to hook them up. Uh, but this one is like no effort. So if you use GitHub for any personal projects and use issues to track uh, any bugs or features and that you want to be building, uh, anytime you make a commit that fixes an issue, all you need to do is say closes number uh, 123, uh, where 123 is the ticket number that your commit fixes. Uh, this is really nifty because when you make a pull request that references this, uh, not only will the ticket stay open while the pull request is open, um, it will go ahead and reference that code uh, in that PR, um, basically the commit that uh, influenced it. So once you get that PR merged, it gets approved, and potentially even auto-merge, that ticket will automatically close, which is really neat uh, for bookkeeping. Uh, but also, if it ever comes back again and you sift through your t- issues to kind of find what was wrong, uh, you'll see the code that's directly referenced there. So mm-hmm. um, I use these absolutely all the time. Um, so figured it would be a good tip to share. Nice. That's very cool. Yeah, I'll definitely have to try it on like my personal projects. Unfortunately, I use Jira at work. So uh, we, we did switch over to GitHub, which is awesome. And I'd love it a lot more than, than Bitbucket. But um, yeah, I don't know if it's worth trying to integrate that. We have a pretty good system. I don't know. It, like, yeah, well, we'll when move. something works, don't touch it. <laughs> yeah. Number one rule of anything. Yeah, like things move from column, like a developing to like a ready to build or sorry, uh, for ready for review or ready to, I can't remember what it is, in review um, as soon as you make the pull request and stuff. So like we got it pretty well automated, but like that would be cool to just put that in the commit message and have it kind of automatically close itself. I think we have to, well, we build and then we put it into testing and then it gets done. So it's kind of like a whole whole thing but that's yeah cool. i'll have to, totally yeah. understandable yeah so for today's mini review corner um i have a new uh a new little toy that a uh, gadget toy i don't know what you would ta- call it uh that came in today uh and is it is this beautiful purple brick uh that when you open becomes this beautiful yellow brick um yes. and it is the play date by panic um it is uh very tiny um, it like literally fits in my hand, uh, a little bit of like that, that, uh, carpal tunnel, uh, situation when playing it. Um, like but Boy. yeah, I like the Game Boy. It's even, uh, yeah, it's about as small as the, as the, not the Game Boy Advance, but the, the mini Game Boy Color? that came out after the oh, original Game Boy. Game Boy Micro. Yeah. Mike, was it Micro? No, it I feel micro. like there was, there was one the in one between. Was like Game this? Boy Pocket. The Pocket. That was the, the size I'm talking about. But yeah, that's pretty old. That's like yeah. way okay. I don't know. I'm old now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it just has this beautiful uh, LCD, not mini LED, Ooh. and a little light at the top um, that seems to be invisible to my eyes, but visible on the camera. Interesting. Um, and it's just like grayscale, right? It's like it's it's just grayscale, no backlight at all. So you have to be in a room. Oh, with light. I didn't know um, that. Ooh. Yeah, th- that that was a surprise. Um, and you can see it's, it's telling me I have new games available, which is the first time that has showed up. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and unlock it and I just have to show you this unlock animation. So the lock button is right here. Uh, and as you press it, it just kind of makes a little happy face. Yep. Um, so you kind of just unlock it. Uh, and then there's like a little home button kind of thing here. Uh, and I can just go home 
and see what new game I got. Ooh, there's a little present and everything. Uh, so, it like everything is very whimsical about the UI. That's cool. Um, so it's just like very fun to use. Um, so yeah, seems like I got a new game called Boogie Loops, uh, and the whole concept. Oh, and I got a different one here too. Uh, so we can go ahead and unwrap that one. And there's another game. Um, Like, down to the settings, like, when you press on settings, the whole, like, thing just unwinds and then just makes this this, uh, kind of build-up of components at the top that you can just, like, go back through. Um, Or I guess that one doesn't do it, but if I go to, I don't know, system. Like, it just makes, like, this build-up at the top that is just, like, it's just very whimsical. Um, And that's, that's what I like it the most. Um, there's also this crank, crank, because of course there's a crank. Um, the crank, so far I've played a lot with it on this, uh, game called something Wipeout. Uh, Is it it the surfing one? Yeah, Whitewater Wipeout, where you're basically controlling the angle of a surfboard, um, and, uh, you do flips and stuff, so, um, yeah, lots of fun. Uh, this whole thing is just, like, magnetically attached to... Uh, the case via these pins uh, that are there. Um, I imagine there's probably some sort of like hidden expandability built into those pins, um, as is like the case with most uh, retro game consoles. Like, there's always ports that you like never know what they're used for, um, yeah. and sometimes never get used uh, because uh, things just kind of turn into vaporware. <coughs> disc, disc. Uh, Dual drive, whatever the Nintendo sixty four one. Sixty four one, yeah, that's what I was thinking of too. <laughs> the the sixty four disc drive, I think it was called. Um, but yeah, uh, a very fun little little device. Uh, charges via USB C. Um, has like a very open development uh, ecosystem, so you can just yeah. go ahead and make your own game. Uh, they have tools to make that either dead simple or complicated, depending on how competent you are with programming. Um, and, uh, I would, I would encourage everyone to check out the dead simple version because it's basically just, uh, assemble a game, uh, and just put your character on screen and have fun, um, doing so rather than like, let's learn C and how to draw to a display buffer, which allows you to make more complicated games, obviously, but also, uh, let's learn C, um, or Lua. Uh, so yeah, lots of options available to you, uh, to have fun with this completely open if you want to sell your own games uh, to be sideloaded um i assume if you make a game they'll probably reach out and be like hey we want to distribute this um mm-hmm. and uh, hand you a nice little sum for your efforts uh no guarantees there i i barely know the people at panic so don't don't go assuming that i'm uh spreading gospel or anything uh but uh they are very nice people um and i assume they try to do the right thing whenever they can uh so uh, lots of good vibes uh, from this device, unlike many of the other companies we talked about today. Uh, so, yeah, definitely go check out the good vibes. Um, cool. The Playdate is super awesome. That's yeah, that's super cool. I was gonna ask, like, it's yeah, I don't think it's like a subscription thing, but they have like seasons or something of like the the games or something that like kind of come in at regular intervals, like every month or something. Is that right? Yeah, so the initial thinking uh, back before uh, chip shortages was we're going to ship all the playdates at once um, and you'll have a season 
of 12 or something games uh, that'll come up uh, every few weeks. Um, and that will be like what you get when you buy the device. Um, and after that, there will be a system in place for you to pay for more games. Um, and that will like be season two and so forth. Um, so it's not like it's forever free, but you get a sure. season with with the device. So that way it's always fresh. It's always something new to play with. It's never boring. Um, mm-hmm. And most importantly, it's bite-sized. It's not going to be like this huge uh, 60-hour uh, endeavor to finish a game kind of thing. It's it's more of like what original Game Boy games used to be. Something simple, mm-hmm. something you can do in your spare time, uh, but in a device with a battery that probably lasts way longer than four AA's uh, or triple A's could manage, um, no and, uh, doesn't have cartridges to deal with. Um, so yeah. Cool. That's exciting. Yeah. I, um, I would love to make a game for it. That'd be fun, but I don't know. That seems daunting is <laughs> they have an emulator so you can go ahead and play with it. Oh, locally. really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So I'll have to manually make a crank or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure they've got some way to emulate that, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think with the scroll wheel, um, oh, it, it works that way. That makes um, sense. Yeah, but yeah, overall, like super, super happy is is how I would describe it. I mean, like yeah, that's it. It got rid of all the negative energy that was built in me <laughs> up until this point in the episode. So if that says anything, like. Um, <laughs> And I just was futzing around with a surfboard on it. Like, not the most intense game um, by any means. Uh, just fun, um, simple, enjoyable, great way to pass some time. Um, yeah. And way better than Twitter at that, uh, it seems. So uh, kudos to Playdate for replacing a bad habit with a fun one. Nice. As always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter or Mastodon.social at code completion to know when new episodes go live and feel free to tweet at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into actually don't bother following us on twitter go follow us on mastodon.social uh and and tweet at us if you like for a topic uh to be to be explored on on an episode um most importantly as a small podcast please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development it's your support that enables us to continue doing this and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss once again i want to give my thanks to spencer who is at spencer c curtis that's s-p-e-n-c-e-r-c-c-u-r-t-i-s for joining me this week my name once again is dimitri you can find me at dimitri Bunil. that's d-i-m-i-t-r-i-b-o-u-n-i-o-l and we'll see you all next week Bye. Bye.